Thank you for joining us again as we continue Spencer and Tim Tackle. Uh, this is Fandom Done Right. Uh, I am your host, Tim, and my other host, Spencer. And today we yes. are going through the last uh, Indiana Jones movie, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So far, there's another one. Yes, yes. Eventually. There will be a fifth coming next year, in fact. Yeah, like 12, no, 14 years after this one. Yes. <laughs> like, does that mean this one's going to take place in like the 70s? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about <laughs> that because it, they treated... Uh, Harrison Ford treated Indiana Jones in this one like he's aged and like the time period is set like it's aged the same and stuff. Um, so I wonder about that if, if it'll be an aged Indiana Jones and even more aged Indiana Jones. Um, but, but we'll, we'll discuss that more later. Yeah, absolutely. So as we've started the last few of them, Tim, do you remember your first time seeing Crystal Skull? So, I'm pretty sure I actually saw this movie for the first time uh, at a drive-in. Oh, that's cool. And I don't remember the second film cool. that I saw in it, but I, I remember seeing this one in the drive-in theater. I do not remember seeing this movie at all the first time because my brother's birthday was around when it came out. And I, all of them went to see it in the movie theater, but I was butthurt because I wanted to see Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and so my dad, in his kindness, took me to Incredible Hulk that same day, like that night. And so every time I think, I, every time I think of this movie, I suddenly think of the Incredible Hulk and how I actually don't know if it's better or worse than this. Yeah. I was going to say it might be better, but. It might be worse. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, I think I used to rank this. I think it's still number three in my in all four indie films, but it's closer to Temple of Doom than it used to be. I think. I actually so so when we were doing this rewatch, that was actually my first time seeing Temple of Doom. Same. Same. And. This is my second time seeing this film. The other two I've seen a lot of times. I would say this one, I like it more this time. There's still a lot of flaws. It's still, it would say, a bad movie. But I think I would actually rank it closer to Crusade and um, Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, rather than closer to Doom. I think it well, had more good. of a feel of Indiana Jones and it was more of a legacy type film featuring like Marcus Brody bringing in uh, Marion, uh, having the picture of Sean Connery. Like it just different elements like that felt made it feel more like an Indiana Jones film than Doom. I think that's very true. 
That's a very excellent point. So I think I think we're both kind of either end of that spectrum, and I think I'll probably move more to the <laughs> move more to the Last Crusade side of it over this episode. And like we've kind of already done a little, we're going to talk about Indy Five at the end, but I don't know how much is he really even going to follow this movie at all. Yeah, because this movie went full aliens. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out 14 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I just don't know how you can, you know, it's out of the, the, I don't know if it's, what's the, what's the phrase? The cat's out of the box? It's out of the box, whatever it is. (laughs) Alien's out of the box. (laughs) Can't put it back. Do you want to get into the story? Yes. All right. So this, this one started out, the, the prologue of the movie um, started in Nevada in 1957, uh, which is 19 years after the last crusade was set. And it's about 19 years film-wise after that movie was made. So Harrison Ford in that area aged naturally as far as the movie. Uh, So I think that part was kind of cool. And we see the iconic shadow of Indy. That one returns. We we saw that one a couple of times in the other movies, but there was one movie where it wasn't shown like at all. And it was just very missed. And so the beginning of this, is just a bunch of soldiers are driving down a road. We later find out they're Russians. And the building they're at is area slash warehouse 51. So we know Probably for yes sure. Probably yes to both of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we see the Ark in there. And this is also the same building we see from Rage of the Lost Ark at the end. And then we're this is where we see like all of the main characters in the film. Like Mac is there. The bad Russian dude, Kate Blanchett's character is there. And then, of course, we've got Indiana Jones. And so, Kate Blanchett's character, that cannot remember her name. Like Dr. Falco or something unmemorable. Yeah. Uh, but she's looking for a certain artifact and has its dimensions and everything. I think it's a really good introduction to the antagonist of the film. I think it's As like the antagonist. I don't know if it's a good antagonist, but I think it's a good introduction. Yes, I think it's like a great setup, but it wasn't carried out through the film. Like the quality didn't continue. Yes. In my personal notes, I, I wrote Kate Blanchett plays a Russian scientist with a weird accent because <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like a Russian person would walk into this movie and be like, "Oh, very nice." Or even like Indy points out, "Oh, it must be." Eastern Ukraine, but I feel like an Eastern Ukraine person would probably also be weirded out by <laughs> this accent because it feels it, it runs towards her natural British accent here and there almost every so, sentence. That's actually kind of interesting because Spielberg hired all the soldiers. He wanted them to be Russian actors because of their accent to make it authentic. But then he chose Kate Blanchett to be the main one. <laughs> And like even the the main Russian soldier guy, he's a U- Ukrainian uh, Russian descent, and so like his accent is real, but Kate Blanchett's is so fake, and it's it's like I wouldn't say it's horrible. Like I've definitely heard worse accents, mine when it comes to Russian, but like it's it's a hard language, but I just it felt weird oftentimes and inorganic. Yeah, I think Russian just almost it's really hard to do well. Yes, like. 
even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like they Scarlet Witch and Pietro have accents, but they basically the only way they got away with that was because they made it like a oh it's a fictional country. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Fine. I think as far as like every Indiana Jones movie has to have this. It seems like it almost has to have this fun, crazy, wild opening. And I think they're really pretty much four for four in terms of quality for that part specifically. Like, I think this one holds up like it's really good. Yes. Yes, for sure. I I started to think about Temple of Doom's opening. It was Was that just that was the that was the the Chinese uh, ballroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Which that was like the best part of that whole movie. Yeah. (laughs) I guess this is first like mini rant situation, which is classic for me and Tim. Uh, the mummy was smoking and I put on the I put on the outline I was like why is this another alien or what and Tim before we started recording what were you saying so the box that it was in was like that magnetic thing like it was attracting the highly magnetized the bullets the guns whatever and so we're led to believe that it was the mummy inside that was magnetic and stuff and I, I think we're, I think we're like made to believe that the mummy thing was supposed to connect with the crystal scroll, but it's never brought up again at all. And, but it's weird too it, because the crystal scroll is magnetic as well, but not, it's not actually magnetic because it attracts like gold and stuff that aren't actually magnetic, but it attracts these things. And so I just don't know what it, what the mummy thing is. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be a big thing or just a little introduction to the Kate Blanchett character being like finding these magical type things and stuff. So actually I did notice this time on the other ones, a lot of this stuff is left to the wind, but they, Kate Blanchett's character did mention the New Mexico specimen. And when she talks about New Mexico, I'm like, I'm assuming that's this one. Oh, like okay. when she's she's doing her evil monologue about crystal skulls and exposition, that's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the one where she was like, it was in, the skeleton was entirely crystal. So I think that's the one from here. But it still doesn't explain most of the lack of magnetation or smoking or any of that but still a fun scene i really like how indy's like all swarmed he's like drop the gun he said sure and he drops the gun and it fires at the foot (laughs) like that was just fantastic and it's just classic like indiana jones just fumbling his way out of the situation (laughs) just in this one they're slightly more fumbling like, I kind of thought, oh, this, like, when I, in my memory, I thought of this movie, like, oh, Harrison Ford is just old Harrison Ford fumbling his way all over the place. And they kind of used that for comedic relief. And I was like, it's really not much more fumbling than he did in Last Crusade or anything before that. Yeah. I think he's pretty much at full, full swing here. So, uh, so what would you say if, if you're in a, a town that's about to be, uh, demolished by a nuclear bomb, like for a test or not, what would you say is the first thing you do to survive? 
Uh, funny question, Tim. You know, I, I don't want to be uh, cynical about this, but if you're in the middle of that town in what was it, one minute? Uh, yes. You're dead. You're just dead. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, there's nothing out. I mean, I'd cry, I'd pray. That's it. That's all you got left. Like, because okay, the car but, didn't even make it. You know what I mean? Let's, like, the let's fruit, say so that then you, I'm like, let's say that you are in a movie that forgets about radiation. Uh, because de- radiation can definitely go through fridges. Uh, and even there's a no way a fridge, fridge can actually seal that well. I, I just, hmm. I'm, I mean, so what I was going to say, I was like, if I was just, I just get in the fridge. Like, I know there's all those PSAs. There actually was PSAs that came out. They're like, the fridge is not going to save your life. You're going to die, yada, yada. Would All of that's true. But if I happen to end up in the middle of a nuclear town one minute till the bomb went off and I had any hopes of survival, I'm probably getting in that fridge. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, there's not going to be bomb shelters in this place. No. Which would be my first I- move. So I've never been in one of these towns for common sense reasons, but I thought it was really funny. Some of those mannequin dummies had like terrified expressions on their faces, like they were in an explosion. And like just seeing that completely demolish the town, I thought was a pretty cool little add to the movie. Like it ultimately didn't add anything to it, but it was just a cool effect. And I actually think it was just... We'll talk about this again, but kind of a cool period piece um, with the nuclear bomb testing and then... Cold War. Yes, Cold War. Um, so I, th- I think it was a cool thing to add. Ridiculous that he survived within that refrigerator being bounced around for miles. That thing was beat up. Oh, and he just... End. And as soon as he gets out, right? As soon as he gets out of the fridge, he walks back towards the bomb. Like... Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Something I didn't mention... Uh, Tim, do you know what I'm getting at when I say a Temple of Doom callback? I don't. So there's the part where he, he's fighting the big Russian dude on top of that thing that's like a rocket on the train track, which also, what is that? Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> They're fighting, and like Matt, not Matt, Max and the guys are like running with their guns, and then they go cuts back and they're fighting again, and then it cuts back, and the Max and the guys are actually farther away than the first time (laughs) and then they all die except for max and it made me laugh out loud because i was like that's the temple of doom thing that's (laughs) all of the finale of temple of doom it's like he's about to die he's about to die he's not about to. he's too getting too close now he's farther back now all the guys die (laughs) i think we sound crazy talking about this but if you watch either of the movies you will notice it yeah like it drove me insane but in this one, it only happened like the one time, but it made me laugh anyway. Spencer, do you want to talk about uh, his interaction with the FBI after the bomb? Yeah. Yeah, so I liked this scene. Well, there's, of course, the funny part where Harrison Ford's getting scrubbed down. He's just... He's, Harrison Ford just got this face. that Like, he can sell any scene, I almost. Like, that scene would be ridiculous or, like, too serious or something, but just because of his face, it just makes me laugh. But... He's like, I don't know, he's getting like rubbed down by these guys from the FBI because his partner 
I guess he had been doing Cold War spying with, as well as archaeology, was a double agent, which we learned in the first scene. And they're kind of like, well, why would we trust you? Blah, blah, blah. Also, I think one of the guys questioning him is the janitor from Scrubs. Totally unrelated. <laughs> but I was like, that guy's voice and face is too familiar. But I actually really like this scene now. It's really, it's a bunch of really helpful exposition for the overarching story. Uh, it's super rich. We don't know really anything about, like, Last Crusade is like 1938, I think, like right before World War II, if, like basically in World War II, just before it got bad. And then, boom, we're in 1957. And so we learn through this scene that he served extensively in World War II as a spy, either as a soldier too, but definitely as a spy like throughout the, the whole conflict and everything that's followed. Yeah, I so think I it was good was really character development for him. Uh, oh, and like, like the, the scene about like, about what was in the box, like when he was like, I was shut into a car with people I wasn't allowed to speak to and all this stuff. Like Harrison Ford really did that really well and it made it seem like this really intense thing, but I just don't know if they followed through on the intensity of the Crystal Skulls. Like, I don't think they really followed through on the, I guess, the theme. Right. Yeah. Not a massive criticism. I'm not like picking away at this movie. I just think that like the, the setup and all this is super great. That's what I'm basically saying. But yeah, not a super large scene, but like a scene that I really appreciate in this high yeah. rewatch. Yeah. This and of course, it's an Indiana scene. Jones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just, it's a good scene that really develops his character more rather than just a archaeologist adventurer he's also involved was involved with the war and a spy and so i think it gives more credit to his like getting out of situations like his fighting his shooting stuff like that i think it allows that to be more believable since he was in the military absolutely and i think he was in I think he served in the military before Raiders or before Temple of Doom, I guess. Yeah, I I could see that. I don't know. I asked yeah. ask somebody who's seen the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> so, of course, it's an Indiana Jones movie, so we have to have the happy little bit back at the college before Indiana gets dragged into another adventure <laughs> part of the movie. Uh, so you said Marcus Brody's back, but that guy's not Marcus Brody. Marcus no, 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 no. Marcus Brody's featured in pictures and a statue. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if you were. I thought you were just saying. I was like, oh, there was Marcus Brody in the movie, and then there's Sean Connery's picture, and I was like, no, it's Marcus's picture too. But yeah, I get you. And actually, that that part specifically with knocking off the head of the statue. I don't think I got that when I first watched it as a kid. And so now I'm like, ah, it's Marcus. Classic Marcus. So there's a new dean of the college, and it's Professor Slughorn from Harry Potter, which, of course, I didn't notice that when I was a kid either. And also, he must have... Oh, it must have been... He must have done them right back to back because his first appearance as Slughorn was in 2009. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, wow. Didn't even think about that. But he's kind of got like, he's got glasses and different hair, so he's really hard to spot. Um, he looks a lot different anyway. But he's great. He's fun. He fills the same void. 
he fills the void of Marcus Brody very well without being like, this is this is the character that was doing what Marcus Brody was doing. It's more like he's another friend. John Williams, the music was really good throughout this whole movie. Like in Temple of Doom, uh, I made the criticism that not not necessarily toward John Williams, but the music was like really high tempo throughout the whole movie. And it, it like just made the whole movie just feel at one pace. But I think it was very much more, made the movie pace better in this movie and made each scene feel better. I'm obviously not a music critic when it comes to movies, but it's just good to hear the difference between those two movies. Because I just, there's a big difference between the two. Oh yeah, and I think... I think John Williams is the one of the best examples of a composer that does like a long series like this because uh, he's done it multiple times now. But he he really improves every movie that he does as long as he spends a lot of time on it. I'm looking at you, Chamber of Secrets, but it's okay. Like he like he's definitely gotten better. And like from when you're copping into this one, it's like this is John Williams 20 years worth of work after the last Indiana Jones. And you can kind of feel it like he's done a lot like the legacy. There's the quiet little theme on uh, Indiana Jones's desk. It's just well done. And I think that it's also cut better into the movie as well. So I don't really blame him for Temple of Doom as much as just the movie being. A crazy, crazy bag. Oh, for sure. But I think this is I hesitate to say this is probably John Williams best one best work out of Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. maybe Raiders yeah I think Raiders I have to say Raiders but this is still good stuff what did you think of uh, Shia LaBeouf's character Mutt Williams so I really liked his scene in the diner with him just taking the, the drinks from the table next to them and stuff and then Indiana Jones and putting then, it back and him being yeah. like, a, like a greaser type guy so kind of fun thing about his name, his last name was actually a a reference to John Williams. And oh. then Mutt, like, like Indian Jones in that scene makes a reference to like a dog and stuff. And we know from previous movies that Indian Jones was actually named after his dad's dog. And so it was kind of just a fun connection that already there that Mutt is Indian Jones' son but not explaining it yet. It's very so true. I think that's really fun. I thought it's just kind of like Mutt Williams is like a B-rate Indiana Jones name. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. But with the John Williams connection, I like it a little more. I think Shia LaBeouf did a, a, a pretty good job. I, I guess I can may, maybe say this in Triviana, but now's a good time too. Uh, he actually said some some things in interviews and stuff like that after the movie was released that actually kind of he said it as criticisms toward the film and but some of the comments were like he felt like he hadn't done a good job in, as the in the film and he thinks the film hurt from it from his performance and he says like some people can blame the writers or the directors but he's the one to blame for the film hurting so much and he thinks that those comments actually hurt his relationship with Spielberg and Harrison Ford 
And that's actually why he's no longer going to be part of uh, the fifth installment. But I think his character would be really good in, in the fifth movie. But it's because of those really things sad, that actually. he's no longer considered. But I think he did a good job. And it's sad that that he made those comments and that it just hurt his aspect in the film. But I think he did a good job. Yeah, I think he has great chemistry that he builds with Harrison Ford over the course of the film. Yeah. And like, yeah, playing that greaser character, like straight out of West Side Story, I think he's like, I, d- I never would have thought of him, you know, especially after watching like Transformers. But now, yeah. and like, I think he's almost perfect for it. And that's really sad that he thinks that he thinks that this movie struggled because of him, because I don't think it's because of him at all. I think it is because of writing and yeah, mostly mm-hmm. writing. But yeah, that's sad. That's really sad. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm, that was another thing. I was like, they can't. How are they gonna do the fifth one without him? Yeah, it's gonna be like a Temple of Doom where they just ignore everything from before. But I don't know. I believe in uh, Mangold. I believe in Mangold, the <laughs> director. Like I'm like he can't really do wrong in my eyes. Something I did want to talk about that's been this whole kind of scene shows it really well. This whole sequence is the the car, the car chase is great, but the car chase is what made me think of it is how much of this is a period piece and how good of a period piece it is. Uh, all of these are like every single. M- outfit every single vehicle the planes it's like all 1950s which is fantastic thinking it was filmed in 2006 or 7. uh i started noticing just because i was looking for it like camera tricks like i was like oh this green car i've seen it like four times now and they're supposed to be going through the whole town or whatever in the campus uh not something that i'm mad about by like any stretch but it was super it's just so cool how they made it work and how they got all these things absolutely I also thought like dollars, like it was very expensive (laughs) to make the whole movie like (laughs) this. But they've done that every Indiana Jones movie, you know, like they Raiders, they had to do 1930 something, Temple of Doom, all that. So they've always been like 30 or 40 years ahead. Tim, what did you think of the um, like the Peru where they're kind of looking for Oxley in his prison cell and all of that? Was that when they find the, the skeletons? In the graveyard it's, with the yeah. weird country yeah, that would people. be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that scene was used well to develop Indian Jones' character and Mutt's character and their relationship. Because at the end of the fight and stuff, Mutt was like, you're a teacher? Like, you just shot a dart into someone's throat and, like, beat someone else up and stuff. And all these things, and it, he's starting to realize that it's more than just a teacher, he's an adventurer. But then at the same time, Indiana Jones saw that Mutt could kind of carry his own in a fight. And when it comes to actual adventuring and stuff, Mutt knows nothing. Like, Indiana Jones was doing all of the smart stuff when it comes to the adventure part. But I'm a little confused on, again, if the mummy thing was related to this if that had like the crystal scroll and then how did ox did it and stuff like where did ox get the crystal scroll because he put it back in this grave but it's a weird thing like i'm not gonna think too much about it but (laughs) exactly like the the mystery chasing was really good right up until this point because 
even like in his prison cell, like Harrison Ford's like, only the gods can read them. He's talking about these and this. And they go and they get through all the puzzles and they find the the guy that hasn't even decomposed because they mummified his remains. Yeah. Like that was super cool. And then they find the crystal skull and that's where it stops making sense because I, I'll talk about this again later, but there's a part where my eyes just kind of glossed over for the rest of the movie. And I think it, I, it was it was not the earliest time of day, but I think if I watched it at two o'clock in the afternoon, it still would have happened because like I just got really lost and I still don't understand why Oxley brought it back. I still don't get that. And like he was crazy, right? Yeah. Like he lost his mind because he saw the alien people at the end of the movie. But and then he like regains it when he returns the skull. So like clearly he's brought the skull all the way back to this lost city. But then he takes it back just cuz. Yeah. Like that part. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because why would he make it all the way there and then turn around? I just don't. I don't get it. But the movie keeps on going anyway. (laughs) It didn't stop. And Spielberg come out and explain what he was doing and all that for the audience. We just had to go with it. Yes. It's a, I mean, it's the part where you just kind of let it roll, kind of let it wash over you. But We just kind of had to, to uh, put our canoe in the water and go down those waterfalls and go with the flow. <laughs> Absolutely. 110%. <laughs> I don't know why we're in canoes, but that's okay. We don't have the we don't have the cool car boats, I guess. I'm sorry. What boat would you like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a car boat, please. I, I'm sorry. I don't have boat. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad. So then we have this nice sequence in the camp where Mac is really annoying. And I'm sorry if I said Max earlier, but that's about how memorable his character was for me. <laughs> so I feel I'm sorry, but not that sorry. And Kate Blanchett's rambling about aliens and. And then there's like not not quicksand. There's some good stuff in there, but it's also a lot of like slap in the face with exposition that doesn't make sense. Smack in the face on the other side. And then they realized that they were just doing exposition and they're like, oh crap, we have to get the movie going again. And so Mutt just like started a fight and stuff and then they just ran away. Yeah, Mutt, Mutt, saved, Mutt saved us from more exposition. <laughs> the one part I did want to, I did write down was the, uh, Indy says, I've heard the bedtime story before. So it's just, it's a, it's a, he said that line before. Yeah, but that's also a kind of ridiculous line because at this point, he's already found some stones that are precious to keep in a village intact. He's found uh, the, the, skull. the cup Jesus drank from. He's found the Ark of the Covenant. Like, I kind of think some people would say these are bedtime stories. Or at least, I don't know what makes the difference. Why does he keep doubting? He shouldn't doubt anything anymore. He should just be a full-blown conspiracy. But I think that's why he's, like, made it this whole time, is he still has, like, that common sense. That could be. Uh, Because it's like almost every movie, he's chasing the people that just went crazy after whatever it is at least in three out of four yeah temple of doom is a weird thing but in the first one he's chasing after marion's dad who says he founds the ark of the covenant which indy's like it's gone didn't you guys go to sunday school 
And then <laughs> in Last Crusade, he's chasing his dad. And so in this one, he's chasing Oxley with Mutt. But yeah, I think it's like he should have said that line to Mutt in the diner or something. Yeah. I guess he I guess he kind of did. He did he did say it's just a story. But this is like the specific time where he actually says the line like from Last Crusade. But it's fine. Why did he have to look into the crystal skull? We'll never know. Curiosity. I suppose. On the part of Kate Blanchett. Yes. <laughs> she says, What every man dreams of, control over the minds of men. And Indy says, Careful, you may get exactly what you wish for. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the line means, but it's all good. Oh, and Kate Blanchett says, I usually do. Don't know what it means, but it's, it's nice. <laughs> Harrison Ford, made, this is the part that really makes me laugh out loud, is when they're in the quicksand. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, it's, it's not quicksand which Harrison Ford starts teaching and that really he like because it's he does have like almost Bruce Wayne Batman type difference between Professor Jones Dr. Jones and Indiana Jones and like <laughs> it's so funny because like I think they just made this thing like with age that like it's not an on off switch anymore like now he can't do one or the other he's kind of has to be both yeah and so like they're they're arguing about a quicksand and um, he said, this is actually dry sand. And funny you should mention that it's a combination of this and this. <laughs> and Marion, Marion's just a welcome addition to this movie. I was really glad they brought her back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she didn't do as much action action as before, but I understand that. But she still was, she still was awesome. But yeah, this is where the snake is just, this made me laugh out loud, where he's just like shaking from the snake. And Mutt's just really great. This is like his best parts of the movie for me. I like it how Neil Jones is like, uh, maybe maybe I can just reach the bottom with my toes. I can, I can, t- I can feel the bottom with my toes. <laughs> when the snake is in his face. <laughs> Grab the rope. <laughs> the car chase was good. There was a lot of CGI. Yes. A lot of 2008 CGI. I think if it was now, it'd be less noticeable. Well, also, I sometimes when I watch a movie, I just try to think about like if this actually happened and then this wrong thing would happen and then what would happen in the movie. And so I was just thinking, because Kate Blanchett and Mutt oftentimes like stuck their sword in the back with the scroll and like flung it to the other vehicle. And I was just thinking, what if they missed one time and made both vehicles just stop and go back for it. But that did never happen. Like every time it they flung the skull, it just happily landed in a vehicle. Uh, I, the I sword fighting was awesome. I, I think it was really fun. A lot of unbelievable parts, but it was really fun. And then there's the three waterfalls, and that's where my eyes just glossed over. And I oh uh, oh don't before we else. get to the waterfalls. Uh, we should back up to a mutt being a monkey and slinging along the vines faster than a car. See, I um, do remember that, but I don't know I if just, I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up or not. <laughs> I'm positive Tarzan would be impressed with how fast he can do that. <laughs> I think Tarzan would be outdone. Yeah, yes. It's just like Spielberg's like, okay, so now we're going to do this scene on this green screen set. <laughs> Shia, you're gonna you're gonna be swinging with monkeys, <laughs> and you're gonna catch up to the cars this way. 
Like, I just don't know how these conversations happen or they just cut it all together or whatever. They're driving like at least 45 miles per hour, and but you're yeah. just going to cut across and beat them. <laughs> I tried to figure out if these fire ant things are real. And um, there are big ants that travel in packs like these do. But... And they have known to kill people. But the way they kill people is suffocation. And it's pretty much where they just... They don't move that fast, for one thing. And they just kind of just surround someone. And then they just can't breathe anymore. And so they die. But it's nothing like this, where it's just a swarm, super quick, and just surround a guy and go into his mouth and stuff. Yeah, that was a bit much. So they, they took some... Liberties there. I I think my my problem with the ants is it's so abrupt in the movie. It's like the two vehicles crash, and then it's like oh ants, and then they're all like oh we have to run away, and then Marion just shows up with the the boat, and they just go off the cliff. Yeah, I think it was a good scene. I think Harrison Ford got to finally finish off the guy. Yeah, like I remember not. I don't think. I don't remember liking that scene before, mostly because it's gross, but like all the parts leading up to it are fun. And like the effects, obviously, those are really good effects for ants. Like almost oh, as yeah. good as, as Ant Man 2015, but seven years prior. <laughs> like that's pretty crazy. But yeah, the rest of the movies, like there's at least 10 or 20 minutes, and I, I don't think I'll ever remember it successfully. And I don't understand it either. There's a giant UFO. They're not aliens. I guess they're intimate interdimensional beings. Kate Blanchett's like, I want to know. That's it. Yeah, I this was it was not a good conclusion to a movie at all. No. I think I guess the whole city was aliens. Yeah. Way back when. And they all kind of decompose down to their skeletons waiting for the last one to be returned. Why not? I guess so. And like Harrison Ford had that happy line where he was like summing up everything that happened. And I, I even like, was like lost during that. Like I don't remember what he was talking about. I don't know. Yeah, the wedding was There's fine. not much to say about <laughs> it. The wedding was great. Yeah, the wedding I remember. See, I'm like that part I just gloss over and it just happens to you. Yeah. Rather than... <laughs> You watching the movie, but you want to get into the uh, Indiana Triviana section, Tim? I know we don't have lots of time left, so. Yes, so I will quickly go through Indiana Triviana. So. And I will give my banter. If uh, <laughs> in Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, the antagonists were Nazis. So the, they in, originally intended to use Nazis as the antagonists in this one. But Spielberg didn't feel like he could use Nazis in a lighthearted manner because of his recent movie, uh, Schindler's List. And so Lucas suggested they use Russians. Uh, and this also helped with the time period of the movie being in the Cold Very War. Very much so. Uh, I think that was, it was a really good decision, I think. Um, especially with it being after the war. In the diner scene, Shia LaBeouf punched that guy and then the girl punched him. That girl was actually Spielberg's daughter, Sasha, and so she punched Shia LaBeouf. She was also the the love interest uh, in Temple of Doom, 
I don't remember her name. You mean the, you mean the daughter of the love interest in Temple of Doom? Maybe. Right. Yes. Yes, I Gilbert's think so. wife was in Temple yes. of Doom. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was writing that, and I was like, "This something's not right about this." But yes, yes, you are right. Sean Connery was actually offered a cameo role, but he refused because he was just enjoying retirement too much. I am also a lot think, of things. Yeah. I think it was a good decision not to have him in this. Uh, I love Sean Connery, but I think I think at this point, Indiana Jones was already pretty old, and so it would have just seemed weird to see an even older guy in a action adventure movie. Yeah, uh, I think and, so. I think that I think his character should have been dead by that point. Anyway, yeah, uh, Indiana Jones did most of his own stunts in this film. Some of the other movies, he did some of it, but in this film, he actually did more of his stunts than any other Indiana Jones film, and he was 64 years old. In addition to filming, uh, he spent three hours a day in the gym trying to stay in shape. He was on a very strict diet, just so he he wanted he he just wanted to make it feel authentic for the audience member to see him actually doing it. It's great. Because in Temple of Doom, he had that back injury, so he was not in most of the a- action scenes anyway. Yes. Some of the film producers wanted a CGI whip instead of a real whip. Their the reasoning was that you should do more different kind of stuff with a CGI whip, but Harrison Ford like fought them for to have a real one because he wanted it to be authentic and real. I think CGI was just like crack cocaine for film producers in yes. 2005 to 2010. Like <laughs> they were addicted to it. Like Spider-Man 3 is in, is like half of the movie CGI at least. <laughs> so I, that doesn't surprise me at all. So nowadays with Star Wars and Marvel and the internet and everything, a lot of movies are trying everything they can to have secrecy as far as the script and the story and all that. This one was one of the first movies to, to do that. Spielberg treated the secrecy of the script very seriously. After John Hurt demanded to read the script before joining the cast, in order to accomplish this, Spielberg flew out to the UK to show him the script and then flew back to LA on the Mets plane. And then despite everyone involved in the movie signing a confidentiality agreement, there was one extra who leaked plot elements to an Oklahoma newspaper. Uh, Spielberg later removed his character digitally from the movie. That's great. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, man. Spencer, you're going to love this. So I already do. I'm already looking Sp- at it. Spielberg originally wanted to name the movie Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men. That's just, man, that's a great title. Uh, but Harrison Ford vetoed it. Spielberg Fair. wanted this because of the influence of 1950s movies that focused on space and aliens. Other possible names for the movie were City of Gods, Destroy Worlds, Fourth Corner of the Earth, The Lost City of Gold, and The Quest for the Covenant. Yes. So, really weird I'd go with City of Gods would yeah. be the one I would go with, but I can yeah. see why that would be like, whatever, unpopular. Uh, I can see that one and Destroy a Worlds, uh, and I'll explain that one later. I feel like if they did uh, Fifth Corner of the Earth instead of Fourth. Yeah, yeah, Fourth Corner. I was like, what? What are the other three? 
But if you did like fifth corner, then it speaks to like aliens or another dimension or mm-hmm. cool stuff like that. So I'm not saying this this is inspired by a true story or anything, but the skulls that inspired this movie actually exist. Uh, there are 12 of them housed in various museums. What? They have been dismissed as fakes, but they are made of crystal. The film is based on Mayan myths that 13 crystal skulls must be lined up or piled up in a pyramid uh, on or before December 12th, 2012. Uh, I'm sorry, December 21st, 2012, the last day of the Mayan calendar. Otherwise, the globe will go off its axis and it'll be the end of the world. Mayans still worship these uh, skulls today, and there are real-life skull hunters. Well, because we live in the afterlife, this is all true. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Don't you remember 2012 <laughs> when the world ended? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this the movie was put on pause in 2004 because Lucas rejected a script by uh, Frank Darabont. Uh, he did a lot of B-movies like Fly and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and a few others like that. But Lucas didn't like the storyline relationship between Indiana Jones and his brother, rumored to have been played by Kevin Costner. So obviously that that storyline got thrown out the window. Could we see it in the fifth movie? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think Kevin, I think Kevin Costner is too much like Harrison Ford to even play a brother. I so like this that. movie made seven hundred and ninety million dollars in box office. The budget was one hundred and eighty-five. Wow. Uh, Thirty million of that was for Harrison Ford. That was what he wanted for the movie, and then some from sales and stuff. This was wow. the biggest. That's a lot. Yeah, this was the biggest out of any of the Indiana Jones movies as far as how much they made. Uh, so this fact, I just really doubted. And so I didn't put it in here until I saw it like a couple more times. But Harrison Ford convinced them to put more jokes about his age in the movie to help reduce American paranoia about aging. That was his reasoning. That sounds so, nice. Yeah. Uh, the actor Dimitri Dyachenko, who played the main henchman, uh, he bolted up his physique to look more menacing. He was originally originally supposed to shoot his role in 10 days, since his role was just a minor one. But when shooting the Marshall College fight, Harrison Ford accidentally hit his chin, and Steven Spielberg liked Diachinko's humorous reaction to the punch so much that his role got expanded, and he spent three months filming. Now, I've tried to figure out what made his reaction humorous, but... I can't find it anywhere. Uh, so there's a, a picture of Marcus and Henry Jones Sr., uh, Sean Connery, shown prominently on Indiana Jones' desk. There's also a photograph of Sala and Indiana Jones on the fireplace mantle in his house. And then there's a picture of Willie Scott from Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom in one of his uh, cup cupboards and then there's also a doctored photograph of uh sean connery and river phoenix from the last crusade visible on a small table 
in, I believe, Indiana Jones classroom. And the Akatara throne room features yet another uh, etching of R2-D2 and C-3PO etched in one wall and an E.T. in another wall. And then John Rhys-Davies was asked to cameo at the wedding, but he declined, saying only a small appearance would cheapen his character and audiences wouldn't like it. Now, I, I think back. I agree with that. So the, the Kung Fu Aztecs, or whatever you want to call them, that attacked Indiana and Mutt in the graveyard, obviously it's weird to see them using like Kung Fu, but pre-Spanish Peru Incans practiced a martial art known as Rumi Maki, which literally translates as hard hands. So they did have a martial art practice. I, d- I doubt that it had like the kicking and stuff in it, but all right they can take some liberties i think i've mentioned this every other episode but all the other films had uh, an appearance from pat roach he's he's just a big boxer but he did, oh, was not okay. in this movie because he passed away four years previous that's sad yeah so it's just kind of sad to see him not in it but i already talked about mutt being just a joke on being related to nina jones uh, this is also the first film where Indiana Jones never fires his pistol. I actually noticed that. I was like, he didn't fire a gun a single time, did he? Yeah. And that concludes Indiana Triviana. I don't know. We really don't know anything about Indy 5, but all I know is that Mads Mikkelsen's the bad guy and um, the Nazis are back. And if this movie is going to be followed, that means that Indy 5 takes place in 71. Hmm. That's interesting. So they could... Again, I hope they've... Yeah. They could recast Mutt. Yeah. This has to be the last one too, right? I mean, I thought this one was the last one. So I saw somewhere when researching for this film that said in the 80s, um, Lucas and Spielberg wanted to make five Indian Jones films. And so I think this will be the last one. Maybe there's maybe maybe Mangold's still bringing them on, kind of like how Lucas was like at least partially involved with Mandalorian. Like maybe maybe they're producing credit or executive producers. I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yeah. But the release date is July 28th, 2022. So we're less than a year away, supposedly. Right. I mean, everything's being delayed, which is understandable, but I don't know. They're making it, so we'll see if it gets finished. But I think this has to be maybe not the last one, but probably the last one for Ford and kind of this story. Yeah. Anyway, I think that about wraps up our time. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the this whole journey through the all the Indiana, almost all the Indiana Jones films we've had so far. There are other things, but this is the main stuff. If you have any thoughts about Kingdom of Crystal, we'd love to hear them. You can hit us up on Instagram at Fandom Done Right, or you can email us at Gazebo Effect Podcast at gmail.com. We just love to hear your thoughts. Uh, next week on the podcast should be Marvel Monthly What If, and then uh, next time on Spencer and Tim Tackle, it will be a surprise. Do you know what we're talking about next, Tim? I believe so. But I don't want to spoil I will the put listeners. It. There's also going to be 
a hint on social media, like on the post. I'm trying to do little hints. So you might be able to figure it out from that. But thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time.